Hello, and welcome to the BG Podcast, episode 204. Today, we're wrapping up the week of July 3rd. Uh, joining me is Bingham Group CEO, AJ, and my fellow associate, Wendy Rodriguez. So kicking off, I'm going to turn it to AJ. We're going to talk about HB 2127 and um, just kind of the aftermath of that and some state news. So AJ, I'll turn to you. Yeah, well, uh, thanks, Hannah. This was the uh, coined the Death Star uh, legislation out of the, our last session uh, ending in uh, in May uh, regarded essentially it was a stripping or at least from the major cities view of local power and putting that authority back in the state it was a preemption law so overall this law HB 2127 which takes effect on September 1st prevents cities and counties from creating local ordinances that go further than what's allowed under broad areas of state law and it's viewed by those cities, many cities, and uh, as an attempt to overrun more progressive politics as we see coming vis-a-vis -vis the state. Uh, particularly Houston, city of Houston leadership is leading a lawsuit against the state on this to block the uh, effect, you know, taking the, the law taking effect. They're arguing that the, the law violates the state constitution and significantly weakens city's authority to self-govern. They also view that they'll say that the law conflicts with the portion of the constitution that allows cities to enact their own laws. Um, you know, they're arguing I mean, that basically it's the home, the home rule uh, statute in our state. Uh, from the bill author, Representative Dustin Burroughs out of, of Lubbock, I am not surprised that the leftist cities are working with activists from California to try and slow down the implementation of HB 2127. I have confidence this bill will become law and help ensure Texas's economy thrives for future generations. Again, this law would take effect on September first, and it was it was uh, looking back the last session. It was it was uh, the impetus was having just more regulatory certainty about how businesses operate across our very sizable state. So uh, more to come on there, but it's definitely something that impacts every major city. And really, the urban cities and counties in the in the in the in this country and before even slip in the state, Austin Tech, Austin Travis County, Houston Harris County, San Antonio Bear County, uh, Dallas slash Dallas Fort Worth, Dallas County, and Tarrant County. So more to come on that, uh, but you know the clock's ticking. Yeah, and I think we've seen already um, news break related to the uh, construction workers and their their water breaks. You know, that's the yes. first. That this bill is going to affect. I think that is really obvious, especially in the Texas heat. Um, and so I, I think we've seen, you know, people on both sides say that this is just a, people, you know, that are for the bill say that this is about just regulatory consistency. Um, you know, while obviously Houston has a very different view of what this is, but um, definitely um, going to be um, interesting to see how this um, fans out. Right. And then switching over to the city of Austin. Um, we've got the city of Austin budget. So, Wendy, I'll kick this off to you. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. Uh, yeah, it is budget season once again. Uh, so every year, the city of Austin has holds a budget cycle that lasts about a month. Uh, so the uh, Mayor Watson's office last Friday released a um, memo on the message board for council. And uh, it was there that they highlighted how the whole out the timeline of the budget uh, it would play out. So key dates to know uh, are that starting Friday, July 14th, um, almost, yeah, like, almost, yeah, a week in a week, uh, the city manager will file the draft budget with the city clerk 
and it will be delivered to the mayor and council members. Also on July 14th, the council budget question process starts so the public can see the questions and answers asked throughout the process as well. Uh, Wednesday, um, July 19th, there will be a work session in which the city manager will present to the, the budget to the mayor uh, and the council. And following the presentation, council will get to ask questions and get specific briefings on parts of the budget. And then a week later on the Wednesday, July 26th, another council meeting will uh, be held to focus on the city's general fund. Uh, and pu public comment uh, will be allowed starting at 10 a.m. Then we go hop into August. There will be another work session on the 1st where a public hearing will be held on the maximum tax rate. And then August 3rd, another date for potential meetings, August 7th, and so on and so on. If you look through the like message board, you can see even more details on this, but it will finally get to the, the 16th of August where there will finally be a vote and it will be approved. And so, yeah, uh, yeah what are y'all's thoughts on the budget? I know this is like pretty big because it kind of determines where funds are allocated for the next fiscal year of 24. Yeah. Yeah. Or you yeah. to start. Manager. So, you know, we've been with Spencer Cronk uh, previously for the past since what, almost 2018. Um, yeah, that's about right. I think three cycles. And so we've had three budget cycles with him. Um, and, you know, obviously um, interim city manager, Jesus Garza, he's been here before, he's done this before, but I definitely think the city is very, very different and it's a different state than it was in, in when he was previously in office. And so uh, I'm definitely curious to see how he's going to handle this. I know we've already seen him say like, if a um, if a position hasn't been filled for the past two years, don't include it in your budget. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm definitely thinking we're going to see some, some creative and, um, you know, different allocations of money. Yeah, my view, I mean, you're spot on, uh, Hannah. I think the city has changed uh, dramatically from the time he was city manager to now. I think managerially, though, you know, we we look at a snapshot of just how council um, has engaged with the city manager's office's last six months or so. I think it's a snapshot, right? I think it's going to be. I th I think it, it ties into this too. Also, posting the council message board from Mayor Watson's office was the the uh the goal of having you know they want so the budget will be released the timeline will be released on friday the four, july 14th but they also want to have council offices submit all their budget amendments that they want by monday august 6th i believe at by 6 p.m right and the goal being you to have you know, these are all the different it's ideally having everyone's you know item wish lists of items they want their priorities um, which is in line with how it's gone in past years' budget appropriation uh, del deliberations, right? But the goal is have all those laid out. I'm, 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 we'll see in real time. We'll see in the next few weeks on this. Have those laid out. And again, and then that's when ideally between the 6th and uh, up till Wednesday, August 16th, though council can vote between the 16th of August and the 18th of August for the budget to have it hashed out. So that by the time it, we get to Wednesday, August 16th, perfect world. We all, we know what's going where and there's less, there's no amending from the dais, which is, hasn't happened in, in the last several cycles under, or under former city manager Spitzer Kronk, but that is something that has happened before. The goal, you know, the goal being the public is a very cl clear view of what's going to be allocated and what's not. We don't have final hour red lines from the dais for better or for worse on that end because, you know, on the, how that can go. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be, and this will be, well, we know 
tying into this, I think we talked, we spoke of this on prior our prior show, but we know we'll see manager interim C manager Garza will be with us for at least one more budget cycle after this one. Um, with the city council, I know they're looking to have a request for procurement out for a search firm for a new C manager out by the end of this month, early August. So we'll at least have, I think this would be a good snapshot where I'll go next year. Uh, and or yeah, and this time next year, uh, under manager city, Gar- uh, inner manager, Jesus Garza. And lastly, I want to pu- plug our last episode of the BG podcast, episode 203, which was a discussion with me and Daniel, Daniela Silva with Equity uh, Equity Action. They are uh, promoting or spearheading the campaign around the community investment and uh, community investment budget. Um, that the show also goes in detail for the deeper detail about the budget process and cycle. Um, for those who are interested in learning more about how you can advocate in the future for items of concern to you. So interesting stuff. And uh, you know, it's uh we'll be watching. We have no current clients who are involved with the space. The per- actually the first time in a few in a few cycles. Uh we've been involved in several, and so it's uh, you know. I, you know, knock on wood, we'll see. You're not, we're not knocking on wood, actually. We'd love to work with someone, but uh, yeah, it'll be nice. Maybe we'll sit this one out. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely think it's going to be a quick and hopefully painless process. Just I know that's definitely what um, it sounded like they wanted to make this in the message board. So um, that's coming up and we'll we'll be there watching. So <laughs> best laid plans. Best laid plans, yeah, and then and pivoting over to another thing that I think is is definitely affecting the city of Austin, um, just our housing situation as well as the land development code amendments. Um, and so, you know, council at the dais they've initiated over a dozen land development code amendments. And so, um, planning commission recently weighed in and uh, they echoed what council member staff has been saying. And this is to move quickly with these land development codes. And I think they're trying to look at different ways to potentially speed this up. Um, one of the things that we're here that we heard at Planning Commission on June ter- June 13th was that question as to why there's so much community engagement for every single amendment. Um, and I definitely think, you know, people think, you know, if this passed unanimously on the dais, why are we, you know, trying to figure out how this is going to affect every single Austinite in a very granular level? Um, and so that's definitely something that uh, people are questioning. You know, I think we've heard um, council members as well question that on the dais along with commissioners. And so um, potentially, I think we're going to see a different um, way to do community engagement, maybe a way to kind of compact that just because um, the community engagement p- aspect is going to add several months to this. And so, for example, uh, with parking requirements, we just re- recently passed a resolution to eliminate parking requirements citywide. That you know, it's, I think people look at that and think, oh, this is an easy amendment. We're just crossing out parking. I think the issue is, is that it's so embedded in the code, you know, for every single zoning, there's an amount of parking you must have for every single um, type of building. And so I think it gets really complicated for DSD, who um, development services, who's understaffed as well. And so, um, you know, they're trying to make this as easy as they can within their own bandwidth, while also trying to do everything they can for the city. Um, but, you know, for parking requirements, we're looking at, a, you know, maybe fall 2024 when that's finally codified. And so I think, you know, with the, the level of urgency that the dais is attacking this, um, there's definitely a question of how do we speed this up? How do we cut out parts that aren't exactly, um, you know, pivotal to the process? It'll be interesting to see 
the you know you know, you look at the last so the the, the slew of resolutions the LDC resolutions land development, development code resolutions that have come from council and I think that's a mark a mark to uh, just change from prior councils in the last several years I and I think you know some would say the amount of community engagement that has been ingrained in a lot of uh, kind of the culture of the city or at least with count on council decisions is you know quote unquote the Austin way. Right. And for better, or for worse. And I think not not having any clear, you know, uh, discussion on this with any staff, but a, a view of it is wanting to understanding the amount of. It provides a level of coverage and certainty when you've done that most community engagement. Now, obviously, there's you know who the, the defining how much or, or more or little to be done, I think, is ultimately a policy discuss, you know, question. I think that the, the nature of, of community engagement I agree with you, Hannah. I think it's going to be de definitely be sussed out by the end of this council's, you know, cycle, right? Over the next four years, um, even some members departing. I think the newer members of council, particularly, have shown, um, you know, have shown a desire to move, and they're and they and it's it's not going to stop as they become more senior on the dais. Yeah, and I, I think also we've seen them, you know, at least like. One of the things I see on on Twitter on Twitter and Instagram is um, our new council members Velasquez, Cadre, Alter, just at coffees with the community constantly. Ryan Alter, there's two alters too. Ryan Alter, excuse me, yes, um, just constantly, you know, having you know like little town halls, little like almost like office hours where you can come in and just talk to them, and I think that's also helping, you know, just the younger cohort of people uh, feel like they're engaged. Um, I think on the on the opposite end with like the Zilker Park plan, um, you know, watching that, I think a lot of people felt like there wasn't enough community engagement. And personally, I was like, I'm at these events and I'm seeing so many people talk and I feel like the community is engaged. Um, but then when they talk, they're like, well, we don't really know what's going on because, you know, this this big webinar you were supposed to have was like the week before Christmas and I was going out of town. And so there's like a lot of things. I think that there's so many people in the city who are constantly doing things. It's hard to be engaged. Um, and so we're definitely seeing that. Yeah. And, and you know, and lastly, I'll say it's, I mean, I've been around enough of the city to see that, you know, there's, there's always going to be folks who just weren't like, it's not, there'll never be a hundred percent contact. Right. And then on the flip side of that too, there are people who just for a reason didn't see it because they didn't see it. And then there's a line again, we think about how we would move forward on projects of, of, you know, you know, you know, there are folks who may not have heard about it, but enough people were reached where the decision was made, right? And ultimately, that's a political decision, right? About how the, a council wants to proceed. Um, but because we've seen the opposite side too, where depending on the you know the area, sometimes some projects are slowed down or bogged down, rather whatever you want to call it, because of you know one or two people, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, see. Yeah, and and pivoting away from the land development code. We're going to talk about the Ethics Review Commission. Um, they recently okayed some pandemic era cha changes to lobby ordinance. And so this rule is just going to ensure that phone calls and video conferences are properly recorded um, as appearance before a city official. I know that one of the things that had kind of happened as soon as COVID hit was everything went virtual and all of our meetings were now on Zoom. Um, so I'm glad to see they're doing this. I know we get you know messages to say like, hey, can you, can you sign this and say you met with us on this day? And just confirm that and so um obviously glad they're keeping everything transparent it's obviously good for us um 
And um, yeah, so that's pretty good. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's super cool. Uh, just, I mean, the pandemic really changed a lot of things and work-related um, policy as well as like human interaction. So it's really cool that policy is reflecting that change. And uh, it really, like, especially with technology that we have now, uh, we can definitely do that. And yeah, I think it's really cool progress. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I just, the I look back when we first started the firm to now, you know, coming pre, in the pre pre post pandemic world and the amount of flexibility virtual is offered, I think has been a benefit to, for us, for clients and, and also for council members who, you know, ability to take a meeting, not necessarily bound to being at, at the city hall to do it, right? It's helpful. But I understanding too, and I think it's a good evolution of the technology of, you know, it's only become more virtual. I said, you know, I, I, we joke about, uh, I joked about with the team about getting uh, those, those Apple, what was those Apple, the air goggles, what are they called? The, the oh my God, R- virtual reality? Like, yeah, yeah, the VR goggles, right? Like, they don't come out for two years. When you think about that, right, you're like in an office. Like, it's it's the nature of our stuff. Like, this whole virtual world isn't going away. It's only become more of a, you know, more and more. I think the pandemic was probably going into the pandemic that there had been talk about it, right? But that really opened it up where you can do a virtual meeting. And I love in-person meetings, right? But in a, you know, in a world where it's about conveying information, you can get that across just as readily on the screen. But that being said, I think how just it's a good update to what's to what I think has become common practice now with video and acknowledging that. Yeah, the Vision Pro. Vision Pro, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll wait for the second generation so the price goes down and <laughs> or just give you all bonuses. Either way, I don't know. It's like... Yeah, the off-brand ones. Like, All bonus. Ones. So I go to like to be at the beach instead of like a virtual mm-hmm. beach. <laughs> That's true. Just like this little digital, this is a little digital leash. We're all, we're all. I can connect you all, you all anywhere now. But yeah, there we'll get some purple ones. Maybe a little surprise <laughs> under, your, under your under your WeWork seats. Like, oh, what is this? What is this? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Speaking of work. Uh, yeah, no, so, you know, you're good. Uh, speaking of work and work-related things, uh, so there's actually an article that came out that uh, conducted a audit of the Parks and Recreation Department and found that a former employee of the city's Parks and Recreation Department fraudulently submitted timesheets stating she was working, and I believe it was like eleven thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars between July and December uh, that of that year in 2021 that she like got like paid even though she was never there uh so that just came to show like uh even like the supervisors uh that were responsible for monitoring her work did not really do so um and said they thought someone else was doing it so uh yeah waste of city resources and yeah even and through this audit as well this investigation found that uh the fact that the forestry program at the parks department is struggling up to performance to perform was because of the series employee shortage. So lots of HR, uh, just employment, kind of little drama. That, this this seems like something out of a Netflix episode for me. I don't know. What do you? What do you? <laughs> yeah. No. It, every time I see these, I'm like, wow, the drama. Um, but it, luckily, it's not very often. Uh, I think I definitely see this in other cities on the national news. But I think it just and for you know, more for bigger. I mean, any money is this is all, again. This is all. This is, these are tax dollars. 
but certain cities it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, but I think this just, you know, once again shows our staff shortage problem. Um, it's not just affecting development services, it's affecting, you know, even, um, you know, departments within the parks department. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's definitely an issue, but I, I, I think, you know, this is going to be something that they'll hopefully address in the next coming budget cycle um, and just continue to address on the dais. And also on the flip side of staff, you know, a hat tip to the city's audit department too, right? I mean, they're, whole, they're doing their job. This yeah. is what I think when people... For people who aren't necessarily council watchers or active at city hall, they there's the, you know, now I don't think this is unique to Austin. There's a view of, oh, these folks are just, you know, quote unquote, these folks are just, it's all running amok and there's no oversight and this, you know, this, that, and the other. And then, but I think, and I, I doubt most people even know the audit, the audit department exists, but they're, you know, they're working like this report didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, this is, this is pro not like this was months and months of work. Right. And digging in, asking the questions and investigating to have a final report. And so I think while on one hand, we you know, we hear a lot of the city's worker shortage, employee shortage. Um, you know, I, I think it'd be it's a hat tip to the audit department. I don't know what their staffing levels are, but it's, um, you know, they're, they are like the, the the investigators of the city services and really represent, I think, the taxpayers, us uh, ensuring our dollars being spent well. Yeah. And um, yeah, very hats off to them. I know they've, they've done some other audits recently and they've just caught stuff and, you know, it hasn't necessarily been bad, but it's definitely been um, a great um, addition to the city's knowledge to continue to improve their policies and procedures. But yeah, that's all that we've got today. Um, so thank you for listening to the VG podcast. We'll be back next week with another week in review. Um, yeah. Bye. All right. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to Hannah. This is her uh, first time being the the host host and more to, more to come from her on that end as I transition to being less on the recaps and more on direct uh, guest interviews. I'm taking over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the BG podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. The BG Podcast is a product of the Bingham Group LLC, an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P.com. And for the latest firm news and content updates, follow us on LinkedIn. We'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you.